This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I want you to take your copy of God's Word, if it's a Bible, if it's an iPad, if it's an iPhone, if it's not any of that. The scriptures are on the screen. And we're going to go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And I want to call your attention to verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. It says, But when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Now, they waited till the Sabbath was passed for a couple reasons. If you know anything about Jewish culture, you couldn't buy anything on the Sabbath. Couldn't you couldn't purchase. And still to that day, that's in fact, when we go to Israel, you'll you'll realize that. And you couldn't do any labor. So they the ladies waited till the Sabbath was passed, and they come to the tomb on Sunday. They come on the first day of the week. It says, very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Here's a message in that. These three ladies are coming to the tomb. And on their way to the tomb, they're worried about who's going to roll the stone away. And I, I, when I read that, I thought, I wonder how many things we worry about that God's going to take care of. Folks, he, he's, he's going to take care of it. Worry, worry's like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't take you anywhere. Amen? Worry won't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It will empty today of its strength. So we're just worrying. They were worried. How are we going to move that big boulder? And look what verse 4 says. When they looked and saw the stone was rolled away, <laughs> for it was very great, you're worried God's going to take care of you're worried God's going to take care of it if you'll let go and let God. God can handle it, folks, if you'll give it to him. If you cast all your cares upon him, he'll take care of it. You know, the Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. There's no need of you and him both stand up. Amen? He said he'd take care of it. And entering to the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in long white garment. Now, let me say this. Every angel mentioned in the Bible is a male angel. Are you saying all angels are males? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying every angel mentioned in the Bible was a male angel. And this was a male angel. And they saw the angel and they were affrighted, scared. And he said unto them, Be not scared or affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth? which was crucified, he's risen. <laughs> he's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Now get this, folks. Then the angel said, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that goeth before you unto Galilee. There you shall see him as he said. Here's what's interesting. The resurrection message, whether you agree or disagree, God first entrusted to three women. The greatest message ever, God first entrusted to three women. 
remember on my uh, 40th birthday, a couple, three years ago, <laughs> the church wanted to do something for me that would help me out with my stress. So they came out and they had on a cart, they had a golf bag, and they had golf clubs, and they had golf balls, and they said, Pastor Benny, this will greatly help you with stress. By the way, it didn't. But anyway, they said, we've arranged for a professional golfer to work with you. He's going to give you lessons. And I went and met with a professional golfer, and he showed me just how to cuff my hands, and he showed me how to stand, and he showed me how to swing. He showed me when I'm totally uncomfortable, that means the swing's right. He told me all that. And finally, after many, many lessons, I said to him, I said, now, let's just be honest. What do you think about my golf game? I said, I'm a big boy. Just tell me what you think about my golf game. He said, well, preacher, I got to be honest with you. He said, you're standing too close to the ball after you hit it. And I made a decision, folks. I'm not a quitter, but I made a decision on that day that I was going to give up golf. Never have had a lot of interest in playing ever since, but I've always been intrigued by the people that can play. And I was intrigued by a man by the name of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods in uh, 2009, he crashed his car into a tree and literally his wife had to break the window to get Tiger out of the car. After that, Tiger confessed to multiple affairs. It was so severe that he was actually admitted into a clinic for addiction. Most of his sponsors said, we don't want our name associated with your name. So they removed their sponsorship from him. In 2010, he went through a costly, expensive divorce. After that, he was, uh, went through four major back surgeries. And then a DUI arrest for painkillers in his system. But what was so amazing, 11 years passed, he hadn't won a major tournament. But after 11 years passed and not winning a major tournament, last Sunday, he won the Masters. And I heard Tiger make this statement. This is what he said. He said, I got a second chance. I got a second chance. And folks, when I study the resurrection story, the message of the resurrection is we get a second chance. We get a second chance. Now think about three ladies on a Sunday morning, much like today, they come to the tomb. They're bringing spices to anoint the body. And they get there, and there's an angel there. And the angel says to those three ladies, 
the one that was crucified, the one that you all are looking for, he's not here. He's risen. He's not here. He has risen. And folks, if you, I've been to the tomb, I think about 10 or 12 times. And every time I go to the tomb, as I'm walking out, I look at the door on the tomb and it says, he's not here for he has risen. Every time I go, the line's backed up to get to be able to go into the tomb. And I often think they're lined up to see nothing because he has risen. Amen? And because he's risen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we don't have a hopeless end. We've got an endless hope because he is a risen Savior. But that angel, nothing's in the Bible just to be in the Bible. And that angel said, you go tell the disciples he's risen, but not only do you tell the disciples he's risen, you tell Peter. Now, wait. Peter was one of the disciples. Why didn't you just say, go tell the disciples and be done with it? Why did he say, go tell the disciples and Peter? Because, folks, there's a message in and Peter. There's a message. I am convinced the message of the resurrection is and Peter. See, if I was going to give a word, I would have given a word of antagonism. And let me explain. What I would have said, you go tell the disciples, not and Peter. I'd said, you go tell the disciples and Herod. You go tell the disciples and Pilate. Those guys that sentenced me to death and had me crucified, you tell them I had the last laugh. You tell them that I have risen and I'm resurrected. I would have had a message of antagonism, but he didn't. I probably would have had a message of appreciation. I think I would have said, you go tell the disciples, not Peter, but I, I would have said, you go tell the disciples and John. Because see, John stayed with me right to the very end. John even took my mother into his home while I was on the cross. I would have said, you go tell the disciples and John. But wait, his message wasn't antagonism. His message wasn't appreciation. But his message was affection. He said, you go tell the disciples and Peter. Let me explain. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter was following him, if you read the Scripture, but the Bible says he followed Jesus afar off. You know when we get in trouble in our spiritual lives? When we're following Jesus afar off. When we're trying to have dual roles. When we want to be Christian, but we want to be everything else also. We're following him afar off. And Peter got in trouble when he started following him afar off. And second of all, if you read the Scripture, Peter got around a fire with the wrong crowd. You know when you get in trouble? It's when you get with the wrong crowd because people either pick you up or pull you down. And you say, I'm a Christian, and I'm hanging out with a lot of these lounge lizards down at the Crystal Pistol. Let me tell you something. If you're not awful careful... 
If you're not awful careful, instead of picking those lounge lizards up at the crystal pistol, those lounge lizards will be pulling you down. See, I want to tell you something. You tell me what you're reading and you tell me who you're associating with and I'll tell you where you'll be five years from now. So he started falling afar off. He got with the wrong crowd. And then the Bible says they came and said what? This guy here kind of talks like Jesus. I, I think he's with Jesus. Peter said, no, three times. I don't even know him. I don't even know who he is. Started falling afar off. Got with the wrong crowd. And before long, he's denying him. I don't even know him. But the message is, <laughs> you go tell the disciples and Peter, what was Jesus saying? He was saying, I still love Peter. I've still got a plan for Peter. I've still got a purpose for Peter. The message of Easter is God gives second chances. A little girl gets up and she's in Sunday school and teacher says, does anybody know what today is? And little girl Sally said, today's Palm Sunday. She said, that's right, Sally. Then the teacher said, does anybody know what next Sunday is? And Sally said, next Sunday's Easter. She said, Sally, you're brilliant. And then she said, does anybody know what happened on Easter? And Sally said, I'll tell you what happened on Easter. Jesus came out of the grave. The teacher said, that's awesome. And then she said, but if he sees his shadow, he's got to go back for six weeks. <laughs> now, see, most people don't understand that Easter is about you can have a new start. Easter is about, though we cannot go back and make a brand new start, we can begin right now and make a brand new end. Easter's about no, what, no matter what's happened in your life, you can start anew. No matter what's happened, you're kind of like a crayon. And even though a crayon has been broken, it still colors. And you may be a broken crayon. You may have had some mess-ups in your life. But Easter's about the fact that we can begin again. Now, I want to give you four quick things about Easter. The first thing I want you to know is a second chance is possible. A second chance in your life, sir. A second chance in your life, ma'am. It's possible. See, when God wanted to lead six million Jews out of Egyptian bondage, who did he use? He used a murderer. His name was Moses. And the most famous scripture in the Bible, Psalms 23, it was penned by a man by the name of David who was an adulterer. He was an adulterer. Why do you think when he wrote that psalm, he said, he restoreth my soul? David knew something about restoration because he had restored him. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Jonah. You remember the guy with the big fish? And God told Jonah, Jonah, go to Tarshish. Basically, God told Jonah, go to Iraq and preach. Well, he didn't want to go to Iraq. He got on a ship and started heading to Spain. Did diametrically opposite of what God wanted him to do. 
But look what the Bible says. But the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time because God was saying, I'm a God of second chances. I, I love football. I've often said I'm just a big fan. I got to watching so much. One time Barbara said, do you love me more than football? I said, college or pro? <laughs> there was a football coach that was 30 years old, defensive back coach at Ohio State, trying to have a career. But guess what? He got fired. Whatever became of him, he became Nick Saban. There was a coach that coached the Cleveland Browns, and they said, you're not smart enough to be a coach. You're not a winner. We don't want you as our coach. And they fired him. <laughs> he went on to win six Super Bowls. His name was Bill Belichick. There was a young man, when he was young, he was physically and sexually abused. He literally dropped out of high school because of the pain in his life. Attempted suicide on two occasions. Whatever became of him, his name's Tyler Perry. Here's what I know. No matter what's happened in your life, a second chance is possible. Helen Keller said it best. She said, when one door to happiness closes, another door always opens. But we often stand and stare so long and regretfully at the door that closes, we fail to see the door that opens. A second chance, no matter what's happened, I want you to know it's possible. That's the message of Easter. But I want you to know not only is a second chance possible, but it's personable. It's personal. See, in John 1 and 42, when Jesus first met Peter, his name was Simon. Simon. Because he had been unstable all of his life. But Jesus said, I'm going to change your name to Peter, which means a, a boulder, a stone. Because he said, I see potential in you. And folks, God sees things in you that you don't see in yourself. God believes in you when you don't believe in yourself. God's got a great plan for you when you can't see the great plan in your life. That's the kind of God he is. But he said, I'm going to change your name. See, a name's powerful. I heard about an old boy that was wanting a, a girlfriend. But God had blessed him with a sufficient amount of ugly. <laughs> but he wanted a girlfriend. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he was searching for one. You said, Pastor, I'm here and I'm in the... I'm in the singles bar, you know. Uh, I'm in, in those places. I, I wouldn't recommend that. I, I wouldn't recommend that. You say, but oh, pastor, the, uh, the, the odds are good. Yeah, but the goods are odd, amen? <laughs> but he got on this plane, and lo and behold, he was seated beside a lady, and I mean, she was a knockout. My land combination of Wonder Woman and Betty Crocker. <laughs> he said, this is it. This is her. And he said, hypothetically, I want to ask you something. He said, if you were searching for a man 
what kind of man would you be searching for? She said, well, I like Native American men. I like men with dark skin. She said, yes. But she said, I got to be honest with you. I like Jewish men because Jewish men have an ability to make money. So she said, I like Native American men, but I like Jewish men. But she said, I got to be honest with you. I not only like Native American men, I like Jewish men. But she said, I like Georgia rednecks. <laughs> she said, I like the guys that drive those big four-wheel drive trucks. Got red man on the dash. She said, I just, something about just turns me on. And she said, but you know, I can't believe I'm being so vulnerable. I'm being so transparent with you. And I haven't even asked you your name. He said, well, it's Geronimo Goldberg, but my friends call me Bubba. <laughs> now, here's what's interesting. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. But the scripture says in Mark, go your way, tell the disciples and Peter. There was a message. He didn't call him Simon, he called him Peter. What he was saying, I know you've messed up, but I still believe in you. I know you've messed up, but I still love you. I know you've messed up, but I've got a plan for your life. I know you've messed up, but I still have a purpose for you. I want you to understand the second chance is possible. The second chance is personal. But can I tell you something else? The second chance is private. The second chance is private. What I mean, this, this part blesses me more about the message than any part. Because look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. And he was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's, that's the Easter message. Jesus resurrected. After he resurrected, ladies and gentlemen, walked around, saw 516 different people. But the Bible says he was seen of Cephas, he was seen of Peter, and then the 12. He said, before I go see the disciples, I'm going to go see Peter. Even though Peter had messed up, Jesus said, I'm going to go seek him out. I'm going to find him. Now, I want you to know, even though you've messed up, he's looking for you. Even, even though you messed up, he, he wants to see you. I, I thought about this, folks. Here's how wonderful the Lord is. In a crowd of people, three times, Peter said, I don't know him. He denied Jesus publicly, but Jesus forgave him privately. Everybody may know about your stuff, but I've got good news. He'll forgive you privately. He'll forgive you privately. He'll forgive you if you ask him because that's the kind of God he is. He'll forgive you privately. You say, but Pastor Benny, everybody's talking about me. It won't last long. They'll move on. But I want you to know something. He'll forgive you privately. And let me say something, folks. If he's that way, why don't we be that way? Because there's so much bad in the best of us, 
And there's so much good in the worst of us. It hardly behooves any of us to talk about the rest of us. And the best of men are men at best. People need loving the most when they deserve it the least. People need loving the most when they deserve it the least. The other night I was preaching and a guy was going to introduce me. And he gave me the greatest compliment he could give me. I don't want to read off some big long deal, but he gave me the greatest compliment he could give me. He called his wife's name. And he said, at the lowest time in our lives, this man was there. At the lowest time in our lives, this man was there. That's the greatest compliment we can get, folks. It's loving people when they deserve it the least. That's when we ought to love them the most. Somebody say amen. But I want to tell you one other thing, and I'm done. If you get finished before I do, just slip out. One other thing. I believe in people because the second chance is profitable. The second chance is profitable. You say, well, Peter got right with God. He got right with the Lord Jesus. Whatever became of him, well, let me tell you, he preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 got saved. He, uh, this Bible that you read, some of the books that you read, he wrote. This guy, Peter, who messed up badly, he became the leader of the apostles. There's a man in the Bible his name was Jeremiah, and God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house, down there where they make pottery, because when you get down to the potter's house, down there where they make pottery, and that potter's making that pottery on the wheel, I'm going to teach you something. Jeremiah said, okay, I want to go down there. I want to learn. Look what Jeremiah says. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. Let me tell you, we didn't turn out as he had hoped. You didn't turn out as he had hoped. I didn't turn out as he had hoped. But look, so he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. I'm so grateful, ladies and gentlemen, he didn't throw away the clay. <laughs> Yesterday, Barbara and I were together, and I said, we were in my vehicle, and I said, I see something right out there, Barbara. She said, what is it? I said, I don't know. You jump out and see. She jumped out and she got it and she handed it to me. I said, that's what I need. She said, you're, you're going to do something with that golf ball. She said, I just know you've been detained. I said, yeah. See, let, let me tell you something, folks. When the game of golf was first started, the golf balls were just smooth as silk. I'm filled with all kind of useless information. But anyway, the golf balls were, they were just as smooth as silk. And here's what they found. They started playing, and they started hitting the golf ball. 
And they found out as it got dinged up, as it got indentions, as it got binged up, it would travel farther. And folks, let me tell you, some of us have been banged up. <laughs> We've been dinged up. We've been beat up. We've been clubbed up. But I tell you what, if you will allow it in your life, it will cause you to travel farther. It will cause you to travel farther. It, 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 it will cause you to be better. It will cause you to accomplish more. See, every one of us, every one of us needed a second chance. And God gave us a second chance. Let me explain. God is holy. God is perfect. He's a holy God. He's a perfect God. Heaven's a holy place. Heaven's a perfect place. But yet, folks, then there's us. Then there's us. God's perfect. And then there's you. And then there's me. And we were separated from God. And we couldn't get to God. Because he was perfect and we're imperfect. And what God said, being omniscient, he said, I'm going to give every person a second chance. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago. And he lived a sinless life. He was perfect. He was God. Had he not been perfect, he could not have been the propitiation for your sin. But he was perfect. And when they nailed Jesus to that cross, every sin that you have ever committed or ever will commit was nailed to Jesus. He became the payment for all your sin. All your sin on that cross. Now, why is the resurrection so, why is it so important? I could give you 40 reasons, but I want to give you one. And it's found in Romans 4 and 25. Who was delivered for our offenses. That is to say, Jesus died for your sins and my sins. But he was raised again for our justification. What does the resurrection prove? It proves that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice for your sins. Now, I'm almost done, but I want you to understand. Because God's holy, there's got to be payment for sin. So wait. So God's holy. There's got to be payment for sin. So your sins are either pardoned in Christ or punished in hell. But either way, 
there must be payment for sin. So I've got a choice. Do I want Christ to pardon my sins? Or do I want to pay the penalty for my sin? It's really that simple. You say, well, then preach on, Pastor, and explain to me what I've got to do. Listen closely, folks. It's as simple as ABC. Get this down. It's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. The first step to getting right with God, you've got to acknowledge you're a sinner. You've got to acknowledge it. See, some of you will never become a Christian. You're never going to get saved because you can't get lost. You can't get lost because you're still comparing yourself to the hypocrite down at the church. You're still saying you're better than somebody else. I'm as good as so-and-so. I'm a member of the Pink Lemonade Sipping Society. I'm a good person. My daddy's a Christian. My mama's a Christian. Well, being born in a garage doesn't make you afford. Well, I'm a pretty good person. I pay my bills. I don't run around on my wife. Well, I want to ask you something. How good do you have to be? If it's based on being good, Mother Teresa gets to go, and I don't. So you've got to acknowledge, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Step number two, you've got to believe. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ went to that cross and every sin that you ever have committed was placed on Jesus Christ. And then the third thing, you simply confess your sin to him. Let me explain. I was 16 years old. My entire life, I was from the wrong side of the tracks. We put the funk in dysfunctional. My mother ran taverns, bars, nightclubs, and we lived in them. I was never in church. I didn't know who my father was till I was 30 years of age. He was a professional gambler. No church background. None. So these people thinking, I bet he's a third-generation preacher. You'd lose that bet. Booker T. Washington said, you don't judge a person's success by what they accomplish in life. You judge a person's success by the obstacles they overcome to accomplish whatever they accomplish. And as a 16-year-old boy, I said to the preacher in my home, I want to be, I want to be right. I'm miserable. When I'm with my buddies, I act like I'm happy, but I'm miserable. I said, there's something missing in my heart. I didn't know what was missing, but I was created to have a relationship with God. And I wasn't, and that's what was missing in my life. And it's what's missing in your life, sir. He's what's missing in your life. pastor said you've got to pray and I looked at that pastor and I said I, I, I don't know how to pray I don't know how to pray 
He said, take my hands. I took his hands. He said, Benny, all you got to do is say to God, I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry. I believe that you died for me. And I confess my sins to you. I said, Clayton, that's all I got to do. He said, that's all you got to do. By the way, folks, that's all you got to do. Because God wants to give you a second chance. God wants to give you a second chance today. Today's your day. Today's. Today your life can begin anew. Because God's a God of second chances. It's not accidental you're here. It's providential. God brought you here. He knew exactly what you needed. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.